Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Bees Knees Podcast. We're your hosts, Ben and Brittany, and if you haven't already, please download this episode. And make sure to check out the link in the description where you can find links to our Instagram and other socials. Happy listening! We like talking about movies and TV, or TV and movies, because we're the Bees Knees, oh yeah! So do you ever have it where you are walking around town or work or something, and you smell something and you're just like, I recognize this, but where do I recognize this from? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have gradually been more and more and more and more been at work smelling something. And I'm like, what the hell is that that I'm smelling? It smells very familiar yet so distant. That's so weird. <laughs> I know. So I've I've recently figured out what it is. Uh-huh. So my supervisor... Uh, has been taking it, who is like a like 60-year-old man, by the way. He has been taking pages out of uh, like early aughts, high school boys' hygienic routines. Okay. And he uses Axe body spray. Interesting. And I can tell because I use Axe deodorant mm-hmm. and like, I don't feel like it has the same aroma as a body spray. No. The body spray is just like so obnoxious. I know. So I have been going around my work and just every once in a while just smelling something. And I'm just like, where the hell do I know this from? The hallways of high school. Yes. (laughs) And it, it was taking me like... You just have to mix the girls. So like bring some like really synthetic smelling vanilla to spritz around and have the combination. And then (laughs) that's the full experience. Oh, man. But yeah, so (laughs) I have been like just faintly smelling this. But within the last week or so, um, I don't know what is going on with him. Is he like recently divorced? I, I don't know. Separated. But, he's getting back into the dating scene. Needs to but, smell younger. <laughs> well, this has been going on for a long time. But recently, he has been drenching himself in it. Yeah. And I I don't know if he thinks it's keeping him youthful. Or if he genuinely enjoys that overbearing aroma helps him feel powerful yeah uh but it has been just too much to handle because it's like he will walk through my little you know door area and for like five minutes after he walks away it still smells like my high school hallway yeah after all the boys do the crisscross into the pants, into the pits. Into the pants. One, one more crisscross just to be safe. You know, what else do I have? Uh, you know, breath breath freshener. Did you really put it in your pants? Listen. It's going to cancel out the farts or something? <laughs> like, what? I'm not putting it on my ass. <laughs> there is more going on in a guy's pants than his ass. You need your balls to smell so fresh. I feel like the chemicals in body spray mixed with genitals, I feel like it might be counterproductive. Like it might be (laughs) causing some of the smell issues down there. It was overbearing. It was a lot. Like it, 
it got to a point where I realized you spray it into the air and walk through it. Yeah. Or just don't use it. Yeah, that's better. But the amount of guys who do a full hold down this nozzle, do an X across their body, because the commercial glamorized this single cross body spray. Yeah. And that covered you. But that couldn't be good enough, could it? You need to do an X across your chest. Look, it's axe. There you go. Yeah, to do an X. But then I I knew guys, one of my best friends, crisscross, he would spray his pits, he would spray his junk, and like then he would spray all around and walk through it to fully coat him. You know, it's really concerning the junk thing. I don't know if I'll be able to get over that. He had more pressing issues to do with his <laughs> junk than that so <laughs> see like i think about how like we have girls so we won't have well maybe we'll have to deal with the axe i don't know what they'll be into <laughs> but i'm again i'm just bringing up that vanilla that like oh my god nauseatingly sweet smell that they just like drench themselves in do high school girls still do that I think so because well, I worked. You worked with a few high school girls. Yeah, they they didn't wear vanilla. They wore something else. Like it, one especially wore something that was just like, "This is so sweet, I want to vomit." Like it's too it's sweet. Like, it hurts. It burns my eyebrows. You know what teenage boys love? Junk food and candy. So what do I have to smell like? Candy. I need to smell so sweet. Yeah, so there was one one of the girls that I worked with did smell like something really sweet. But Oof. when I was working in the retail areas, when teenagers would come into the store, there would be like swarms. Like if it was a cartoon, you would see the clouds, <laughs> okay, of the aromas that they were leaving behind. And it was always just the girls was just you would smell it for half an hour. That's After so they left, rough. it was gross, and I'm just thinking, oh my god, this is my future. Oh my oh. god, there's gonna come a time, and we're gonna go upstairs where the kids' rooms are, and we're gonna be able to smell it from halfway up the god, stairs, and I then am, start just retching over the smell of it. I am so not excited for that. I know because, like, I'm not gonna perfume like good perfume is expensive. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not going to go out and just be like, here, teenage kids who are probably going to just bathe in it anyway and waste it, have this expensive perfume. No. (laughs) So they're going to be like going out, shoppers drug mart, going to buy the $5 bottle and just drench myself in this instead. And it's going to be fucking disgusting. Man, I, I just, I don't understand the mindset of children to have such an overbearing scent yeah like what inspires a youth i think it's because of their changing bodies they're starting to get stinky they're starting to get stinky and they get self-conscious about it so they're just like i need to do whatever i can to hide it to hide this stinky body and it's like really just take just have an extra deodorant at school with you reapply halfway through the day just shower shower yeah (laughs) for sure shower Shower every day kids shower clean yourself 
And take extra deodorant if you feel that you need to reapply halfway through the day. Don't be a stinky child. <laughs> Shower every day. <laughs> that's all you got to do. Because I really do think that that's it. It's just they aren't really sure what's going on with themselves yet. So they're like, I have to combat all of this change with just the worst aromas because it's better than bo honestly sometimes a little bit of bo is better than just the nasal bombardment yeah of body sprays specifically if you want to get a little bit of cologne be that fancy boy you be your bougie See, but they're self. too cheap because, like, they're just getting their first jobs. They're yeah. just starting to also learn what, like, expenses why, are. Why would I spend $30 on some nice cologne that I only have to do one spray, walk through, and I'm good for I'm good when for. When did a you date. buy cologne? Do you have, if you ever bought cologne? I have bought cologne once and I lost it. See, I feel like if it's anything like perfumes, it's more expensive than $30. Keep in mind, you're a teenager. Why buy 30 or more dollars for like dollar cologne yeah when you can buy six dollar axe body spray you can buy that shit in bulk at costco there we go (laughs) yeah teenagers man honestly that's one thing that i know for sure if the kids are ever like hey while you're at the store can you pick me up this body spray i'll be like no no i will not do that yeah, can you pick me up this this? I'll uh, buy you deodorant. I'll you, buy you shampoo. I'll buy you body wash. Can I'll you buy get you me this shimmer sugar cocoa vanilla body spray? That'd be like, uh, uh-uh. uh, 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 no, no, no. I will not have you in my house smelling like a cheap whore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Schmidt. At least smell like an expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just, I could never see myself no, buying that stuff. It's just awful. Um, This week, we had a little bit of an adventure mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. spicy for us. <laughs> 30-year-old parents. Um, can I pause your spicy adventure? All right. Uh, to uh, tell the world the joys of slutty pasta. Oh, my God. I was going to talk about slutty pasta and then I forgot. Okay. Yeah. Slutty pasta has changed my life. And that's because (laughs) we have previously bought HelloFresh. So much HelloFresh. It was great. It's great for the winter months when I have no imagination whatsoever when it comes to cooking. And there was one week where we forgot (laughs) to pick out what foods we were getting. So So they 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 sent us... us this one i saw the recipe card sitting on the counter and i was just like uh what is that slutty pasta and you threw me off so hard when you just it's this is not something that we had previously this is a new phrase this is just a new bit courtesy of Brittany. that was just where did this slutty pasta come from yeah and i was like i need that like today so I made it. It was quite good. It was quite good, but I had it built up in my head much more. I was like, eh, this is good. It's not quite the level of slut that I wanted. <laughs> this is good, but it could be better. It could be better. So then every once in a while, I just get in these moods where it's like, I just want to I wanna cook. I want to stir. I want to make some slutty pasta. And 
Oh my god, I made some slutty pasta this weekend. It was roasted red pepper and tomato. Essentially, Cheesy. it was like it, it was a roasted red pepper soup base. That That's where thickened. the idea originated from. Yes. Then you thickened it, threw some cheese in there, turned it into a nice thick creamy sauce. Yeah. And it would be similar to like a rosé sauce, but I didn't use rosé. And I put some spinach in it. The only thing it was missing was some mushrooms. I baked it. Oh my gosh. Like I will have dreams about this pasta for quite some time now. Just and, fantasizing yeah. about it. Because it was just so great. And then I had you go and pick up some baguettes. Oh, I'm, I I am mm. the king of making little baguette biscuits. Yes. So you, you slice it up. You drizzle it with some olive oil. <laughs> you crack some fresh salt and pepper. Sprinkle a little bit of garlic season. Not like the garlic powder. Yeah. But like some good garlic and herb seasonings over it. Yeah. You bake it. Then, well, I guess that that's really it for the base. <laughs> I, was, I got caught up thinking about another time we did it. We were like, what are we having for lunch? I was like, we got one more baguette. So I did those that, steps. Yep. Then I chopped up some onions, some tomatoes, salt, oil, put that on top, some feta cheese. Yeah. Then topped it with Garlic. a little bit of ch cheddar cheese. Yeah. Baked it, made some little bruschetta baguette like wafers. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, so good. So good. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. And I just, I love it so much. I love it. I love pasta. I love. The process, like I spent several hours making that sauce because it takes time to prep the vegetables and then roast the vegetables, season the vegetables, and then you got to like blend it all up, mix it all together, stir it. It's just such an amazing process. I feel so blessed right now to have had that experience. <laughs> and it was so funny because we went for a walk after and we were just like, like I felt so lethargic just from the amount of carbs in that meal. Yeah, because we don't typically I, have a lot. And plus, I ate so many baguette discs. You did. Oh I my gosh! Ate a ton of pasta. So I was just like, that was so good. But we can't do that all the time. No. Next time we want that, we need to just make it a soup. It sends me just straight into a food coma. But see, this is the thing, though. It's like. You can have like bougie soups. I love bougie soups. I love making them. Same kind of experience, same joy and thrill as making the sauce. But the pasta is what makes it slutty. But see, this is the thing. Sometimes being slutty is not the best thing for you. It's more fun though. Like sometimes it is better to just have a sexy soup than it is to have a slutty pasta. I guess so. It's just... I am not here to shame anybody <laughs> for their sluttiness of their pasta. The sexy but soup. All, all I am saying is sometimes it is better to, on occasion, stick with sexy soup than it is to go with your slutty pasta. Sexy soup isn't always satisfying though. Like it's good in the moment, but then like 15, 20 minutes later, you're like, man, I could, I'm, I'm still like, that was... That was the appetizer. That's not You're the like, full Man, meal. That was really sexy. It's like I need to eat. I'm ready to eat now. I had my app. I'm good to I'm good to go. <laughs> right? And so you don't have 
that when you have pasta, pasta, you're like, that's the whole damn meal. I'm done. I'm finished. This, the sexy soup, it just hits different. It's just like, that's just a little tease. The only thing is sometimes after you get a little bit too slutty, you feel bad about yourself. You have, like, <laughs> sometimes you can have regrets about the actions you've done. Yeah, I know. I just love it too much. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love the pasta. All right, now tell me about <laughs> our spicy adventure. Okay, we, as thirty-year-old parents, went out to the movies and watched Guardians of the Galaxy. Just us and a couple friends it was a double date it that's was, something we haven't done in a long time before covid like, easily when we say things like this i really start to think about friends who don't have kids because mm-hmm. can you imagine if that is just a weekend and somebody comes up to you and tells you like man that was such a great escape I haven't done that in years. Just go out and watch a movie. Like we've gone out and watched movies. We haven't gone on a double date. That's the thing we haven't done in years. But it's just like the infrequency of our availability to just go and watch a movie. Yeah. Like it. it's a common joke in TV and movies where it's just like, you know, like the the married with kids family is just like what does a perfect day look like for you oh it's a day without the kids i can just sleep in yeah i i can wake up and i can just focus on me yeah and it's like our kids are great they're really fantastic kids they're well behaved they're very well mannered and i'm not just saying that because they're ours like i've seen some of those little Helligans, like hooligans, Helligans. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I believe Hellions Hellion. mixed with hooligans. Just I've so, seen. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm all flustered from the slutty pasta. Um, I've seen them out there. Okay, I see them. They are. We see your kids, handful. specifically yours. We know your kid. <laughs> and you know what? I don't know. Maybe they were raised to be who they are, like that. Maybe they're just very spirited children i don't know i'm not judging i'm just saying that i'm thankful for the kids that we have yeah they are very funny and you know they can they have their moments of being spirited and you know stubborn and kids yeah finding their own way in life and that's fun it's an experience for sure but it's still nice to just be like Go away. Yeah. Get away from me. To have. and So, so I, I asked my dad if he would watch the kids while we went and watched the movie. He's like, sure, pack him an overnight bag. And I was just like. Jackpot. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Yes. <laughs> because. Music to the ears. The well, heavens opened up. I am not going to sit here and tell you that my perfect day involves not having kids. Mm-hmm. It is a nice like relaxing day when we don't have kids but honestly my perfect day does involve the family that we have made yeah but it is so nice every once in a while to wake up and not be like all right i need to make sure the kids have had breakfast i need to make sure like every like there's there's a there's a list 
yeah. of things you need to make sure of that happen when you have kids in the house in the morning. And then like in between that, even though you know they're well fed, every 10 fucking minutes, they will come <laughs> and be like, I'm hungry. Can I have a cheese wheel? I'm bored. Can I have a granola bar? I'm hungry. <laughs> There's nothing to do. My favorite is when they 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 stop asking and they just go for it. Like one of them wanted blueberries for breakfast. Sure, yeah, have a bowl of blueberries. <laughs> like have some blueberries. I encourage fruit. Yeah. I wish that they would mix it with like cereal or something because Yeah. But then not 10 minutes later after a sizable bowl of blueberries, which Yeah. I've done it sometimes. It's just like, I just want to eat a ton of blueberries. I get it. Yeah. I saw our seven-year-old sneaking away from the fridge with handfuls <laughs> of blueberries. And not just like hands into a bowl. There were two fists. It was, it was like she opened the door, grabbed them with two fists, and I could swear there was like blueberry juice coming Probably. down the arms from her just holding these blueberries. She's like... And I was just like... What are, you, what are you doing? I just imagine just maniacal laughter is like you squeeze the life out of these blueberries. And it's, yeah, it's just like, what what you got there, little one? <laughs> little, little sweet little angel. And it's just like blueberries. I was like, how many times have you done that? <laughs> this is my third. Oh, cool. How many blueberries are left? Not a lot. Cool. Do you know how much those blueberries cost? <laughs> like, calm down. Because I do. Still have to eat at school, like. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, I get so frustrated when they devour all of the stuff we have. Yeah. But I have a hard time truly getting upset with them. Because I, I did it. I know. I know what it's like when it's just like we got when I was a kid. We got the like the twelve packs of yogurt, mm-hmm. and I would probably eat like six of them at once. Oh my god! And it's not even like I would take them all with me. So I was a big fan of fruit bottom yogurt mm-hmm. to a point where my mom had to stop buying it because I would stand at the fridge and and just do one after the other. Yes, when I get fruit bottom yogurt, I shake it up so yeah. that it all mixes, crack it open, and then I because the consistency of it it turns kind of soupy yeah so i would drink it yeah which takes like a half second then you scoop out what's left and then i would get the next one but then what i would do i I would try to be slick because i'm just like you'd stack them what i'm gonna do like one you stack the containers and then you push it into the next one so it looks like one and then with all but one of those uh, the metal lids yeah. in the containers, you set one on top, and you think it's slick, and oh, there's just one there. But you can definitively see, see the stack, the of, stack of them. Yeah. Plus, there is also now no yogurt. <laughs> yeah, so it's like something happened. It wasn't just one that went missing. And it's like grocery shopping happened on a saturday this is a sunday afternoon and we're already we're halfway through our milk god i'd be so pissed i would get the whole box of friggin cereal yes i would do cereal but instead of just like bowl eat it bowl eat it bowl eat it which sometimes i do now i would get the biggest mixing bowl 
pour all the cereal in, oh pour gosh. all the milk in, and then eat it all. See, you're the kid that I don't want. I... You're the kid that I'm glad I don't have. <laughs> like, I'm so glad I, I am, that the kids aren't that bad. From me and my friends and my experience with that, it is boys. Like, our kids, we have the problem of th- they're constantly snacking. But they also constantly leave half their snack lying around. Yeah. Yeah. There's like half eaten apples that we'll <coughs> see sitting on the table. Be like, hey, who didn't eat their apple? And why is it sitting here? If you're not going to finish it, put it in the garbage. Why is there a banana peel hanging over top of the TV? That's the friggin' worst. It pisses me <laughs> off so much. Like, how did it even get here? Why is it here? Like, do you want ants? Because this is how you get ants. <laughs> friggin' clean up after yourself, you dirty little children. All right, so I'm going to try to put us back on rails. So we have, I have two things I want to talk about. One is, you know, Guns. the actual yeah. content of our double dates. And then I have another uh, little uh, heartwarming fun thing that happened. And which would you prefer I do first? Do you want to just talk well, about the movie We already first? talked about, I right. introduced Guardians talk and we went on this. We went to a small theater mm-hmm. to see Guardians 3. And it's funny because when we got there, we were like finding a seat. This isn't big enough theater to have assigned seats. Yeah. Which is kind of annoying because I like to like pick the best spot. We got to a pretty good spot, so it didn't really matter. But we had to go over and we were figuring out. It's just like, oh, these six seats are taken. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, is there enough? And then you're counting the seats to make sure you have enough. (laughs) But three quarters of those were children. Yes. Now. Guardians 1 and Guardians 2, they they do have a little more mature themes. Like Guardians 2 involves the killing of children. Yes. Children being kidnapped and ego killing them. Mm-hmm. It is subtle. But so it's, it's there. Like, it could be passable. Yeah. But it's there. Guardians 3 is not for children. No. Because I remember I had seen a clip of... It was one of the flashback scenes with Rocket. When By the was, way, spoilers. Yeah. FYI. Spoilers. Um, it was one of the scenes where, like, a flashback scene where Rocket is, like, still at the, like, lab where he was created. Yep. And he has his few friends. And they're naming themselves. So there was the otter, the walrus, the rabbit, and him. And the otter is, like, saying about how she wants to be called Lila. And then they go through and there's, like... Teeths and because everybody has teeths, but mine are the biggest. Or yeah, or like the I don't know. He said something, and then floor because I'm lying on a floor, and then and then Rocket wants to be called Rocket because they're gonna he's gonna fly with all of his friends, and so I saw this, and the they're laying on this dark floor, so I see this on TikTok, I see this scene, and to me it just looks like it looks like a regular walrus. A bunny with a weird metal mask on and a regular otter and rocket. And because of the just the bad lighting and the dark floor, because they're in a terrible cage. So I see this scene and the otter who names herself Lila, that's our that's the same name as our youngest's like best friend. Yeah. So I see this cute little heartwarming scene and I think, and I said to you before we had mm-hmm. seen the movie, I was like, oh, like, I feel like the kids would really like this movie. And um, and I knew that it was going to have some, you know, more uncomfortable, 
scenes around Rocket's creation yeah. and the torture that he endured. But I didn't know the extent of it. So I'm still <laughs> thinking like, oh, the kids are going to like this. And like it might be it might push the boundaries a little bit of what they're used to. But I think overall they should be able to handle it. We get like five minutes and I'm like, I lean over to you. I'm like, the kids are not seeing this movie. No. Like, holy shit. Yeah. And so dark. It just goes to show, like, the kids that were around us, left. most of them left. Yeah, they couldn't handle it. And just because it is a Marvel superhero movie. I was surprised that it was rated PG. Yeah. You need to check to see, like, what movie, like, don't take your kids just to any Marvel movie. No. Like, how many people, when Deadpool comes to the MCU, like, are just going to go because it's another Marvel movie? Well, I remember when Deadpool first came <clears throat> out, even though it was rated R, yeah. the amount of kids that were even in that theater. And I was just like, isn't this movie, like, you know, pretty, like, gory and yeah inappropriate, like, for yeah. kids? <laughs> I, <laughs> I really loved this Guardians yeah, movie. like I I feel like I've I've been saying it a lot that I'm sick of how big the Marvel universe feels, mm -hmm. and I am so happy that this was just a Guardians movie. Yeah, like last week we had mentioned about how the MCU is kind of becoming just this like entangled web of like everybody has something to do with everybody, and you can't just have one solo movie about one solo story it's got to have something to do with the multiverse and and this person and that person and yeah. like alternate realities or something and it gets so big and so messy and just honestly it's exhausting to keep up with half the time mm -hmm. because it's like sometimes you just want a story about a group or a person and you want just it to be like the beginning middle end you want it to be resolved at the end you don't want it to be like oh well where's it going and how does this tie in with that and like how is this gonna affect this storyline and whose storyline is gonna come into this yeah. and it's like you don't have to question that it is what it is and that's that yeah so this was a very isolated story it was the guardians dealing with uh like rocket gets wounded mm -hmm. by adam warlock and we now need to go find where he was manufactured because there's a failsafe on his heart that if you try to do anything, it will kill him. Yeah. But if you don't do anything, he will die. So it's like necessity. And <laughs> it's such a weird, they go to this like. Organic. Uh, yeah, it's an organic Matter. ship. They land on it, and it's just like this big Flesh. skin blob with little hairs sticking out, and it's it's gross in you a good way. You can see like the pores and everything. Like, yeah, it's, it's so weird and gross disgusting. and fun. I didn't think it was fun the whole time. I was just like, I had just this I, look of ick on my face the entire time. Like, I kind of like it, but I'm kind of like, it kind of feels cheap to me. The entire movie. Uh, which I guess was kind of her arc. Mantis is just a joke mm -hmm. because they're in their Among Us spacesuits, yeah, going to this organic place, right? And they're all just like spacewalking, and she's just tumbling, yeah, 
And the amount of times in this movie she face plants. Or just like you would, she should snap her neck and just be dead. Yeah, there was one where she falls into a prison and you hear a crunch. Yeah. And then she gets up and she's like, yo, Mantis, I thought you did. <laughs> <laughs> it was giving me like Gwen Stacy feels there. <laughs> but it, like, it was funny because it's just like, I don't want to see everybody be super competent all the time. Yeah. And she does show her worth. In her own way. Honestly, every single time that Nebula is in a fight and just like her bits are just getting like broken and she's just crumpling and like there's one part where her neck is snapped all the way back and it's just creepy. She's so gross and disturbing how and like the whole time with all the crunching and all the like and almost what's worse than the initial like disfigurement is, is when she's like to yeah regular. when she's yeah cracking herself all back together yeah creeps me out i'm like that was the first time because when she was fighting with warlock and that happened that was when i was like yeah the kids can't see this because this nebula freak show that's going on right now that would give the kids nightmares forever yeah then there was uh it it kind of flashed back and forth between the Guardians going on their quest to save Rocket. Mm-hmm. And Rocket, who is like in like a coma, just about to die, flashing back to his origin. Yeah. Him and his friends, um, him and the High Evolutionary. Yeah. Who is showing him like, I'm going to make a perfect world. I can't figure this out. And Rocket figures it out. And... But, like, there's a scene where he has this chamber that immediately evolves things. Yeah. And they put a turtle in. And he, it like, it's, like, ripping apart into and, like, stretching. And, like, you can tell, like, it's an excruciating pain going through yeah. this. And then in the end, it's insane and feral and violent. Mm-hmm. So they just incinerate it. Yeah. And that was another time where it's just, like, kids can't see this for sure Mm -hmm. that's when most kids left yeah when that turtle like shifted and like ripped apart and broke and reformed and it was so disturbing like that's the only word that i can use to describe most of this movie is just disturbing yes um but i do have to say that the high evolutionary was probably the best villain since Thanos in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Because he had such, like, he had this God complex. Like, gods don't exist. That's why I stepped in. Yeah. It's like, dude, the gods do exist. We just watched a movie about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole arena full of them. Yeah. Like, they're They're ju- not doing anything. They're, they're pieces of shit. Y- but, like, yeah. You're right. They aren't evolving people but they exist so like get get real yeah but he has this like i guess like earthly god view of like this creator Mm -hmm. uh like inventor god perfectionist and but has twisted it and i feel like that's always the best villains where they have this idea of I want to better the world, the universe. Right. I want to create the perfect society. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't care how many people I have to kill to get that. Or animals I have to torture. Or <clears throat> Yeah, so it's just like he has created counter-Earth. Yeah. And it is animal people. I don't know why the ultimate society is just animal people. I feel like it's because when you look at an animal, you see it as just pure. Because they, in their natural form, they don't really have ill intent they're simply surviving they do what they need to survive they're not doing something simply to be malicious you know like when you see a bunny it's a bunny it's just existing it's just doing what it needs to do to survive and when a hawk grabs a bunny yeah it's not doing it to be mean it's doing it to eat and feed that little baby up on a baseball diamond fence post yeah like it's just they're just existing and so then i think his intention is to take that purity that comes from animals and give them human intelligence so that the hawk isn't going to just snatch a bunny up and yeah. just rip its intestines but out it's and all weird that stuff because he also created uh what it, the gold people yeah that, like he created that society mm-hmm. he is their god right but it's like if you can create super hot gold people yeah why is your perfect utopia bunny people? I guess, yeah, why is it Zootopia? Here it is. High evolutionary is a furry. <laughs> Just saying. But then why was his next world after he destroyed this one because it wasn't good enough? Children. Again, I think it's because children are a innocent. innocent, pure life form. That you just give a higher intelligence to in hopes that they will maintain that purity and maintain that innocence, but they'll have the intelligence to create and because one of his frustrations was that Rocket was the only one that could really problem solve. He was a critical thinker. They could all mimic perform the task of this thing, but Rocket was the only one who could come up with the idea. He could create, he could problem solve, he could find solutions. Like he could be able, like he was able to actually have the mental capacity to do that that problem solving. Yeah. Where any other creation he made, it was just, it was like they were just living in a trained existence. They were just doing things that they already knew how to do. There was no extra evolving past that whereas rocket had the capacity to evolve because he was able to yeah create and problem solve yeah um so another reason why i really liked this movie was and why i liked the villain because it didn't shy away like gore the god butcher Mm -hmm. he killed one god but not while he was the god butcher right he didn't show the horrific act Mm-hmm. How many people did the high evolutionary d- indiscriminately kill? So many. So many. He blew people up. He like he blew up a whole planet. Yeah, he blew up his whole world with all the life forms that were on there. So like he he wasn't just here is my plan. Oh look, off-screen things happened. Yeah. They showed how awful he is. Mhm. And how twisted he is. It showed his inner group trying to rebel against him. Yeah. Because he had gone too far. Yeah. And what did he do? He killed them all. Right. Because 
he has his drive. Mm-hmm. That is his only goal, and he will stop at nothing for it. Right. And he, I just spectacular villain. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, I can't recommend this movie. So, so long as you can handle the content of it, mm-hmm. like the depictions of animal cruelty, and like, you know, the even child. Yeah. Like it got to a point where it was like he was experimenting on children and locking children up and so it wasn't shown obviously the yeah. same ex- to the same extent as the animal cruelty was but it was implied yeah but like so long as you can handle that fantastic movie and it's inc- the best marvel an incredible way to end the guardians trilogy yeah it was the best marvel movie that we've seen in a long time long time and like Honestly, I think it's better than like Endgame and Infinity War. Because those had the feel goods of it all coming together. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know what it was. It was. It's probably just the capacity because there was a lot of people, a lot of things. Yeah. Whereas this had, you were able to focus individually on each step of the story right and so and like i really liked this movie for the balance it had between just the disturbing gut-wrenching gross scenes to the really like heartwarming and just emotional scenes like it took you on a roller coaster yeah because it was sad because you knew something bad was going to happen with rocket and his friends yeah you knew because obviously if if it weren't that way he would still have those friends he would talk about those friends so clearly something happened to them that he wasn't talking about them all this time and so but in those moments where things were nice when he was first created and thrown in the cage as a baby and they come and comfort him and then later on when they're naming themselves and they're like running around and laughing and having fun even though their situation is just awful. Awful. And then you have the moment like towards the end when... he's like, I'm going to get us out of here. Well, yeah, there's that part when like the killing actually happens to his friends and that was really sad. But the other part that was just really, I don't know, just nice for me was when Rocket went back to save the animals. Yeah. And he discovers the raccoons, the baby raccoons. And he like reaches in and he's like, they're like looking at him and he's looking at them and they're like climbing up on him. And he's just when he's just covered in all the baby raccoons. Yeah. And he's trying to save them all. And one falls and he like scrambles to pick it up and like run away with it. And I don't know. It's just him seeing himself in these little innocent babies. I feel like there's so much self-loathing that Rocket has because he was always called disgusting, vermin, like all these things. And he always thought raccoon was also another one of those just demeaning phrases and that he wasn't that. And he was just like, I'm disgusting. I'm horrendous. Like, look at me. I'm gross. And like all of his wounds and like scars. And even the, the high... High evolutionary. High evolutionary. 
he called him like revolting and disgusting and like you could never go to the perfect world look at you you're gross and like all this stuff so i think him seeing these babies again just like the purity that they resemble and seeing them they are raccoons and he like saw them and saw himself in them and then accepted the the biggest moment since avengers assemble yeah it was like i'm not 89p13 yeah i'm rocket raccoon because he just finally fully embraced his identity seeing that that raccoon is not bad it's this baby innocent creature i saw a thing where james gunn had one rule for the guardians of the galaxy because they were used by other directors Mm -hmm. but it was that rocket did not have character growth right he went through like nebula has had huge character growth Mm -hmm. and she went she was tortured and james gunn said rocket went through more trauma than even nebula yeah who was constantly ripped apart and well, even nebula says that when yeah. they're watching the like video footage yes. of hit and the experiment that's why he chose this story to end on because he wanted to to make that so that it wasn't just him who knew it right it was now everybody knows rocket is the most tormented character in the mcu right and he has he has gone there's not been a single thing rocket has done up until now that wasn't for rocket i don't know about that it was a thing james gunn said that was one of his rules well sure there are things that benefit other people but he does it for him and i thought it was really good because now in this movie like yes he has done things that are heroic but when he went and did a heroic for the gold people he also stole a battery for him yeah which then caused a ton of shit he has done a lot of things that have helped the guardians in that but he's doing it for him okay but we just rewatched guardians one yep and he just meets peter quill and drax and gamora yep and Drax stupidly calls what's his face? Uh Ronan. Yeah. Ronan to come. And he's gonna fight the army himself. And Peter goes off to help Gamora and they're trying to like get the infinity stone, all this stuff. Then when Gamora and Peter are like off and like surely gonna die, Groot is the one that says, like, we have to go save them. Like Rocket doesn't have to. What does he get out of going and helping them? He, in that moment, he's like, we're going to die or we're not. Or even at the very end when they all come together and it's like, we either die. And yeah, he's the last one to stand up, but he still stands up. And then he's just like, great. Now we're all standing, like looking like idiots. Like he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't really gain anything out of that. He says that he has a short lifespan anyway. He's he's but... a part of the team, but I think what James Gunn is saying is his motivations are selfish. He he will be a part of this team um because it's making him money. He is living better as this team than he was him and Groot and then him before. 
but it was in this movie where he says, I'm tired of running. Yeah. And he looks down that hallway at all the animals and they're all like all the kids get out and the guardians leave. And he says, we need the rest. And it's like, we got all the higher life forms. No, the rest. And this thing that that pause, like nobody else was worried about the animals. Yeah. Nobody else was worried about anything else on that ship. And he said, I don't care if we die, we are going back for all those animals. And that was, that was his moment of turning to actually follow in a hero's footsteps instead of a selfish guy who's been tagging along with heroes. And that's from the director. That's not me theory crafting. I know. I know. I just, I feel like James Gunn himself has put things in Rocket's story in the own, like in his own Guardian stories along the way that has shown that he has that capability in the first place. Like it doesn't just show yeah. up. And I feel like, like, yes, he has always had the capability. It's just, he's like, I, I feel like the character has been like ruled by the fear and the self-loathing that it's like all these people constantly shitting on him. Why would I look out for all these people just for goodness? What does it get me? He's a very complex character. He is. He is very complex. I just, I feel like, and maybe I'm looking into things more than what they were intended to be looked into because I do that. (laughs) But I just think of many times that Rocket has shown up where really he didn't have to show up or he put himself at risk or he mourned a friend. And, like, he actually showed that he cared for other people. Like, the way he mourned over Groot dying. The way he, like, begged Peter not to go out to save Gamora because he would die. And he's like, don't do that. I just feel like there is a difference between caring about people and acting out of self-interest. And it's, it's that line of... Rocket cares very deeply, but he has also seen what happens when he puts those he cares about first. So yeah, he mourns those he cares about and he will try to talk people out of doing things that will kill them. But his in, the initial people he cared about, we saw in this story, he tried to, he could have just escaped himself. Mm-hmm. But then he tried to get them out and they all died because of it. Yeah. So I feel like he has been traumatized from acting selflessly for just just to help other people mm-hmm. to to get kind of to this he's become cold. He if it is convenient, he will help you out. If it is not, he will try to advise you to help you. But I feel like when it push came to shove, he would look out for himself. Right. And now he is at the point in his journey where they have promoted him to the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He, Which is like him and Groot, basically. Well, there's him and Groot, Craglin, 
probably Adam Warlock. Yeah. I just, I just. Who has weirdly, like, he's a grown ass man, but is like the, like, you know how they're doing like a kid Avenger for each Avenger? Mm -hmm. I feel like Adam Warlock is the kid guardian of the galaxy. I just, I guess I figured Kraglin was like not part of it for some reason. I guess because he was like, what, a Ravager or whatever before? So I still kind of view him as that even though we saw ravagers in this and it wasn't he wasn't there yeah so yeah i is the dog technically part of the guardians Maybe. i don't know i uh, just when they great were lineup when they were going through all of it and they were like oh rocket is the you're the new leader and everybody else is peacing out i was just like that just leaves him where he started though just him and group but i didn't think about all those people i Plus, I wouldn't be surprised if we get new space people. Like, if we have uh, Nova, which is like the last, like how uh, Thanos wiped out Xandar. Mm-hmm. There's like one remaining Xandarian, like Nova Corps officer. Okay. And he's a kid, or he could be the kid's p- dad, depending on what they do. He's not in the MCU yet. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes into it. Uh, there's, there are many spacey guardians, like from comics and stuff that Rocket could have a a full team like that. Lickety split. I really liked Adam Warlock. Yeah. I thought he was very powerful. I liked his character. I was surprised at like how chilling he was like when he spoke and like how he spoke you were uneducated on the charisma of will poulter yes because the last thing voice so the last thing that i saw will poulter in was um dope sick which i don't think was that long ago but his voice was not like that. Well, it's because he was he was doing like his American accent in that. That's true. Um, I f- I still remember him as the kid from that movie with uh, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. And, yeah. It's like you guys are getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like seeing him grown up, big. Uh, like yeah, he has a good presence. Yeah. And I like that he is. Like I said, a grown-ass man, but he was just hatched from a cocoon. Mm-hmm. Prematurely, uh, also. So he way. is learning. He is developing, but he's strong as fuck. I feel but, like he's going to fill that void that Drax is leaving. Yeah, and I feel like it is, it's a good mix because he's incredibly powerful. Yes. But his weakness comes in, he can be fooled, he can be tricked, he can be outsmarted. Mm-hmm. So there's there's all of his mental vulnerabilities yeah. that make up for that physical superiority. Right. Has has Chris Pratt actually said that he's done? I have no idea. Because I know Me no no. Because I know that the others have said that. Yes. Um like Zoe Saldana's done. Mm-hmm. Dave Batista's done. Yeah. Who else is in it? Is, I, mean, I mean, the director is done. Yeah. Like, 
But has Chris Pratt actually said he's done? I, I, because I, I don't know. So last week we spoke about Chris Pratt and his like rise to fame. You mentioned that he has not even had to audition for anything since landing this role. Yep. And so, and honestly, Chris Pratt, looking at him as an individual, there's been a lot of stuff he, that he's not the best guy. Like there's been a lot of stuff that surfaced that kind of proved that he, you know, doesn't have the best character ever like lately like isn't he part of he's part of some religious i mean questionable things it is i feel like it's debated whether or not he is a part of hillsong church yeah which is pretty prominently anti-lgbtq yeah Um, and i've also seen some things about a bad track record with animals I don't know mm. if you've seen any of I that. I haven't seen that, no. Yeah, so just like basically getting an animal, having it for a year or two, then getting rid of it. Mm. And so people are kind of just like, mm, that's not cool. Don't do that. Yeah. And um, I mean, the only thing that I can say is when there was all of this big hullabaloo about Elliot Page like trying to like cancel him for being a part of Hillsong. Um, I don't even know anything about that. uh, James Gunn was just like, you don't know what you're talking about. I've been working with this guy closely for like eight years. Yeah. He doesn't go to that church. Uh, His views don't align with that um, and stuff like that. So plus like I've seen a whole lot of interviews with him Mm -hmm. where he is very openly uh like i don't want to say like he's acting gay but it's like you know when like you and your i I say this when you and your bros mess around and it's just like you are comfortable with each other yeah so it's just like will i touch my friend's butt absolutely it's just a it's just a butt yeah will i will i smack him yeah smack him right on the butt well, I pinch his little nips. Absolutely. <laughs> and Chris Pratt gives that. And I feel like a lot of guys who are... Like homophobic. And overtly homophobic. Like, they 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 won't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. They won't talk about... He was in an interview and it's just like, who is the most attractive out of these? And Zoe Saldana does not answer. And Chris Pratt is just like, I will tell you exactly which one and why. Yeah. And it's just like, he is either very good at making this public facade, which he's an actor. Yeah. Could be the case. Or it's people on the internet being mad about stuff. About stuff as per usual. I've just seen a few videos about just like the bad track record of like having animals and then not actually committing to them and like having various just stupid reasons and and just like how that's like it's one thing if it happens once and you have a reason it's like it didn't work out you find that animal a new home and it can you know have a happy life with its new family like stuff happens it's it's not ideal but like yeah stuff happens but then when it happens over and over and over and over again then you start to question like, okay, these are living things. You can't just have them to have them while you want them and then just be like, okay, I'm done with yeah. you. 
And so that's like kind of what I've seen. I've seen some things just about, I don't really know. Like, I feel like for us, it is just safe. Every time we say, we love this actor, this, this actor is such a great, like they seem like such a great person. Like it comes out like a week later that they're just like the biggest shit bag. Yeah. And it's just like, God, do I regret saying that? Do, yeah. Do I feel those feelings anymore? Nah. I know. So just in general, we're just like. I just what basically what I'm trying to get at is that I don't see him. If he hasn't said it already, I don't see him fully retiring that character yet. Yeah. Because like. One, it landed him his career. Many jobs. Yeah. And it's like one of his most like valued, I would say, uh, like amongst fans. Yeah. Roles. So I don't know that he would be ready to just be done with it yet. Yeah. Honestly, I like, and again, I'm not going to say I love him so much. He's such a great guy. But I like the character star lord and what he does with it he has the charisma mm -hmm. he has kind of that like like boyish like charlatan like kind of like a d-bag yeah like he he does it he plays the character very well i guess i just kind of say this also because with Rocket kind of taking over, we know that if there's going to be more Guardian stuff, whether it's their own movies or if they're involved in other people's movies, because that's how the MCU does things these days. I just, one of the things I've always liked is his, like, Star-Lords and Rocket's friendship and their yes. relationship. And I like how they're able to bounce off of each other. Mm -hmm. And... They've said many times like the whole plan. I have a percentage of a plan. What yeah. percentage? Like because, like you said, Star Lord is a very like charisma, but like most of the time he just talks a lot of bullshit. Yeah, Rocket sees straight through the bullshit, calls him out on the bullshit, and then gets straight to the actual real shit. Yeah. So I I like how they work together. I like their chemistry. I like everything about it. So for me, I guess, I still would like to see more of that happen. But with James Gunn not being the one kind of orchestrating it all, is it going to still work out the same? Like, it's hard to yeah, say. It, it is because in other movies where it is not a James Gunn written Guardians movie, like, w their parts are really small. But it just, it also is just like somebody has just written these characters into it. Yeah. And I feel like it is mostly just the actors knowing their characters enough to make it feel authentic and the same. Right. Like, I bet when Chris Pratt puts on the Ravager garb, he is just like, I know, I, with everything that I am. Yeah. I know Star-Lord. Yeah. And it like that is probably what makes it feel more seamless, but I an entire movie Well, and see with like them not written by James Gunn, I don't know how well that would Yeah, actually and work. it's different when it's like let's say like 
Tony Stark and Captain America because they're both live acting together. So you have those two kind of opposites working together, the chemistry all the same. But like Bradley Cooper, he's voice acting. Like he's not actually there. So it's not like it's the same kind of relationship. Yeah. Like working relationship. So I don't know what you'd have to have a good director, I think, to have it work out the way that it did. And so without him kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes and making things the way that they are. I don't know if you'd end up ruining that. Maybe it's better if Star-Lord does retire. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if everybody except Rocket and Groot were not, unless it was just like a really quick cameo, were not in it. Yeah. But that's just what it is. Um... So yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, excellent movie. Don't take your kids to it unless they're older and mature and can handle things. Uh, You will traumatize them. (laughs) Um, I had, like I said, I had one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, And it's it's a very different tone. It's very uplifting and warming to my my cold, bitter heart. Um, This week, I decided to run a game of Dungeons and Dragons for our kids. Mm -hmm. And it was real. So I wrote this like little one shot adventure of like, you got to go into the sewers and into these tunnels and there's some weird rat people. And there's like this little rat wizard with a little rat hat and a little rat cloak. And he did little rat magic. And then there's the rat King and he's just a mass of rats. And instead of throwing, I used a stat block that used daggers yeah. But he threw rats instead. Right. And it was just like weird rat because one of our kids hates rats. Both of them don't really like them, but one of them hates rats. And it's just like we saw a shrew out in the road and it's just like, kill it, kill it, kill I'm like, I'm not going to kill it. I'm going to get it off into the grass, into the neighbor's lawn. Yeah. So they can deal with it. So I, I built this so they could have this like, I guess, cathartic like, here, you can kill the rats. Here. Right. Yeah. And so I made this little story. It was about two hours of actual gameplay. And uh, like for the last like two weeks, we've made their characters. I found some minis that I had and I repainted them to look kind of like their characters. Mm -hmm. They got to pick out the colors of their cloaks and stuff. And then I drew some maps, uh, got out my old like in-person DM screen and Thankfully, I had a fantastic assistant that helped me track initiative. Yeah. But it was it was very fun. It was not at all what I thought it would be because I, was, I guess I came into it thinking they were going to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what they kind of did. But, like, I learned some things is that 90% of what I had prepared meant nothing. Mm. I had this, so I was just like, I have this whole tavern full of people who can give like relevant information, including a bard called Harrison Styles Mm -hmm. uh, that had an entire song that was like, like a parody of watermelon sugar called rats in the sewer, which I still want to hear. I don't know if I will ever show it to you. What? (laughs) Why? But like none of that ever came up. I'm going to tell the kids that you have that prepared and then they'll ask you to play it for us. Because I 
I was just like, I don't know what they're going to do because the, the kids are unpredictable. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're pretty predictable. They they aren't at the stage yet where they're curious enough or inquisitive enough yeah, to so. explore an imaginary area. As they advance in their D&D skills, I'm sure that they will start to question, you know, who else is in this room? Is there someone to talk to? Is there more information to be had? But right now, it's just like they just literally will do whatever you put in front of them. Yeah. So if you say there are three tunnels, (laughs) what do you want to do? Go down a tunnel, I guess. Like they're not going to figure out which one is the most traveled. They're not going to look for any signs on their own. You have to really like leave a bread trail for them. And so and that was partially my mistake. Should I have just made it a straight linear tunnel? Probably, but... I was so I made this so that I could share it with other people and other people could use it and it's like kind of a functional one shot. So other people are going to be singing a watermelon sugar parody? No, that it doesn't they don't need that. They could. You Who included knows? that though? You uh, have the lyrics sent off to people? I don't have the lyrics sent off, <laughs> but if I actually like publish it on one of like the D&D resource things, yeah, that will be handed out too. <laughs> Is this watermelon sugar parody song because everybody in the tavern had unique information to share about like how to find the rat king Mm -hmm. and so harrison styles which like actual harry styles is harold by the way but this was not harry styles this was inspired by Um, (laughs) so he his bard he sang this song about rats in the sewer um and they stole your memories. Yeah. I'm not. That, that's what you're getting. I'm just, I'm like waiting for more. Um, but it, it never came up. I got to a point where it's like, okay, you have, th- there's three tunnels. We'll all split up and go down a tunnel. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you don't want to split up your party. Uh, Cause you might get lost or, and you said, like you said this, you might get lost. And I was just like, no. And you Calliope s- said that they might get lost. I said, if you run into trouble, if <laughs> you end up, if you split up and you run into trouble, you find someone you maybe don't want to find on your own, you have to face that person or that many people by yourself. Yeah. And I was just like, the biggest thing to know is you don't split the party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so with that being said, what do you, well, then we all go down the tunnels and we'll start on the right and we'll go down left. it and if it's not right oh we'll, yeah they'll go over to the left then we'll we'll go to the next tunnel and go down it and i was just like well i had this plan where it's like you could check for footsteps or you could see like i had all these like i made a list of like recommended checks yeah so if you're playing with new people you could say you could try this or this or this yeah or it's like there was a bunch of different options and they didn't do they were just like we're gonna go down one then go down the next they're very literal they haven't gotten to the point where they're (laughs) able to think that way (laughs) so i just shifted and i was like great the first one you went was the right tunnel Mm -hmm. and the whole time they're like we guessed right i was like you sure did (laughs) (laughs) did i have anything planned for the wrong tunnels no like probably a like a rat encounter 
yeah. and then you'd come back and be like, that was the wrong way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, so it's a lot of just improvising and like trying to put funnel them through to the right parts of the story. See, I remember when I was like watching all this happen, one of the things that was like most noticeable to me they first come across this like injured adventurer person that was found in the sewer. And first thing they want to do is check her for traps. It's like, okay, you're checking her out, making sure she's not like bait or something. Fine. Yeah. Then they're like, okay, well now what do we do with her? It's like, well, like, I don't know. And, and you don't want to give it to them, right? But I'm just thinking, they just leave her, right? They're like, oh, yeah, they send her on her way. Like, she yeah, ends she- up saying to, to them, if you see my friend, let them know I'm okay, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, they didn't ask how many rats are down here. Do you know who's running all of this? Do you know where these stolen goods or people are? Like, nothing. They didn't yeah. try to find out who the ringleader was. They didn't try to find out any potential dangers that they were going to run into yep. to try and plan things out. They were just like, "Okay, yeah, we'll tell him." And then off they went. And then they found her friend. He was dead. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just like, "Let's I'm going to use my mage hand to put him in my backpack and we'll carry him." I'm like, <laughs> "You're going to put a, a grown person. man's body in your backpack?" <laughs> and they're like, I was like, do you think you could fit? Do you think you could fit me in a backpack? No, so I don't think. What's probably best is you leave them here for now and maybe figure, figure it out, out later. Yeah. See, and then the other thing it was like our oldest plays a goblin, and for some reason she was just like, it makes the most sense that when we come back to take this body out of the sewer, that I be the one that carries yeah, him. Cause, well, she was like, because I'm a goblin, so I don't care that he's gross and dead. It's like. But you, you are, are a three-foot-tall <laughs> goblin, and your companion is a seven-foot-tall half-dragon with a ton of strength. It's just our youngest's method of removing the corpse from the from the sewers. You know, and the reason why you would want to remove a corpse from the sewers is so that they can have, like, a proper burial, be mourned by their families, and you know, laid to actual rest, yeah. not be in the sewer for Let's the rest of the Let's stuff them in a backpack. <laughs> no, but then after that, when our oldest was like, I'll just, I'll, you know, it makes sense. I carry him out. And she, the youngest is like, no, I'm big. Like, I'll, I'll just throw him over my shoulder. But she was going to hold him by his ankles over her shoulder and just drag him out. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just- he would be so mangled by the time he got to the top of the sewer. They have some questionable things, but in the end, I was really proud because at the end, I have a kind of like a, a moral issue. So they meet this rat king. He steals people's memories. I took a ton of inspiration from Hilda yeah. and the rat king taking mm-hmm. secrets and stuff. Yeah. But in this, he magically takes your memories and secrets. Right. Um, so... I had this monster that can read your thoughts and take them out and put them into bottles and stuff. Uh, And he was just like, if you tell me your juiciest secret, I'll let you leave free and I'll tell you my deepest secret. Right. And he's just like, I'm not worried about what's going to happen. I know the, the, like the benefit of the fear of me. Mm -hmm. So it was like, there are a bunch of people in cages being milked for the memories. Yeah. You could either fight him 
and save them or tell your secret and leave knowing you'll be safe, but you'll have to leave them. Yeah. And so they chose, we are going to save these people. Yeah. But what our oldest said was, if you are hurting people, you don't deserve to live. (laughs) And I was like, oh boy, that's a lot to unpack. I don't know how to handle this information. But I, you, you have done the a ups, good deed, a good thing. <laughs> so yeah, they kill all the rats, they free all the people, and then we had a great time. And their tiny little level one characters have leveled up to level two. So exciting! I know, and I, I'm very excited to figure out how to play again because I'm probably going to use a pre-made story. Um, they're going to be just as unimaginative as they are now. Mm-hmm. But at least I won't have to over-prepare. Somebody else is over-prepared. Right. <laughs> and yeah, it's good. So uh, if anybody else is DM'd for a seven and a nine-year-old, give me your tips because honestly, I was floundering. Let me know what your thoughts of the future of the Guardians of the Galaxy are. And are you a good dog or a bad dog? Thank you so much for joining us this week at the Bees Knees Podcast. If you haven't already, please download this episode and we will talk to you next week.